Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 71. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. This show is brought to you by my sponsor, Audible.com. If you're like me, you like to read, but you're having trouble finding the time to squeeze in all those great books, well, Audible.com is a perfect solution. Audiobooks are great. I never thought I would like them, but I love them now. It's a great way to get caught up. I listen to and get caught up on the book as I'm driving to work, if I'm exercising, any free time, working out in the yard, I can get caught up in all my reading. You can go to uh, my website, doseofleadership.com slash audible. And you can uh, download a free audiobook. Any audiobook they have, over 100,000 titles to choose from. You can download it for free, listen to it. You can sign up for 30 days with no obligation. If you don't like it after 30 days, you can cancel your subscription. But again, it's no risk to you. Go check out doseofleadership.com slash audible and make your smartphone smarter. Well, I'm pleased to back, have back on my show Paul Callan. He's from uh, the Callan Course. For those who've listened to the show, I had him on a couple of months ago. He's one of my early guests, and I brought him back. He's a good friend of mine. He's a former uh, Marine Corps colonel, um, hence my affiliation with him. Um, he's got nearly 30 years of experience at the chief executive officer level, chief operating officer level, executive B- VP and VP of supply chain management. He's honed his expertise through dynamic operational experiences, including combat operations in Iraq and Afghanistan, coupled with advanced education at the postgraduate level. He's got an extensive experience leading teams and organizations, providing strategic planning, executive coaching, leadership training and development, and organizational assessment. I brought him back because him and I were talking. He and I were talking uh, about having maybe a two-part series, and this is the first part of it. He's developed a, a course, and, and I'm passionate about this too, and I'm curious to learn more about it. But about cultivating heroic leadership in the millennial generation, and um, I think this will be an interesting, compelling conversation. A little different than uh, some of the other interviews. Like I said, it's going to be a two-part series. I'll have him come back in a f- month or so to talk about the second part. But the first part, we're going to talk about heroic leadership. Paul, welcome back to the show. Rich, uh, thanks for having me back. And uh trust that you had a good uh, 4th of July. And uh, I look forward to diving into this uh, very important topic with you today. Well, I did. And the last time we talked, it was uh, extremely um, cold here in Wichita. And you're you know, enjoying that lovely Southern California weather. And now it's hot as Hades here, and you're probably enjoying the same mild weather as you had back there in uh, in February. Right, yeah, yeah, that's one of the constants out here with, with San Diego, besides <laughs> the, the prices. Is Of course, we can count on the generally the good weather all year round, so yep, no, no complaints from this end. Well, I'd love to make it back out there again someday. But again, you know, you and I have talked quite a lot, you know, behind the scenes about this whole idea of uh, heroic leadership, and I love that theme, I love that concept, you know, we came from the warrior culture of the Marine Corps, and heroes are always important to us. But first of all, what do you think a hero is, in your opinion? Yeah, and, and it's a great place to start, Rich. Uh, I prefer to define a hero classically, and, and what I mean by that is uh, striving for a heroic life or heroic leadership, not so much an individual act of heroism, though that is heroic, but more broadly, say, in terms of aspiration, having a heroic paradigm on life and leading. Think, for example, of mythic heroes. Uh, in all mythic tales, the hero was one who transformed himself, transformed his life. 
not for his own reward, but for the greater good of uh, a group or society. A heroic life, kind of in a classic sense, had less to do with a single act and a lot more to do with what you would call a total integrated life committed to a higher purpose. A heroic life, classically, was always dedicated to something greater than self. So therefore, again, I like that classic definition. It's the hero who first had to go out and gain self-mastery via some challenging journey, had to gain wisdom via a quest. And then, and here's what I think is the really key ingredient to this classic definition, the hero had to return home metaphorically, back to the group from which he came. Mm. And if he didn't return home with that benefit, you know, what was that wisdom or knowledge that he gained, if he just kept that for himself, well, then he was no hero uh, in a classic definition. So it was always about some form of elevation, elevating the greater good, elevating uh, the larger group. And for an example, let's just take one example from from mythology, uh, Odysseus from Homer's Odyssey. Think of it, he travels over 10 years to reach his home in Ithaca after fighting in the Trojan War. And I kind of have to chuckle, he had no cell phone, imagine that, mm-hmm. <laughs> 10 years on the road. Right. But Odysseus's journey at first blush, it looks like utter futility. You know, why is he doing this? But in the final analysis, the journey's true value is revealed. The journey ends up being the reason for Odysseus's transformation, the source of his greatness. I like to think of it this way. I read this the other day and I thought it was brilliant. Ithaca right, towards which Odysseus was journeying his home. Ithaca was his destination, but it was the Odyssey that was his destiny. Yeah. It was the Odyssey that made him the hero. You know, we always, we, we've talked about that before on this podcast with others, that it's not so much, it is about the journey, and that's that's where the transformation of leadership comes. Do you still think we look at, um, I don't know, when, you, when I hear the word heroes, and um, do you still think we look of heroes the same way today? I don't know. It seems different now. It's kind of, and I hate to say it's a yes and no answer, but it is. And let me explain. Okay, so let's flash forward from today. You just heard me explain what I believe to be the classic definition of a hero. Um, Today, I think what happens is we often confuse celebrity with hero. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And we often... And we often confuse fame with significance. A hero was really always about significance. But today we, we tend to elevate people because they're famous, right? And so what happens is that when we make that mistake, we often therefore refuse to call to that heroic path, that heroic journey that I was referring to earlier. We therefore avoid the hard road of the journey. We don't want to suffer the pain, if you will, that comes from a transforming crucible, which all journeys are. We want some kind of instant celebrity, instant gratification. And in our society, we pay a deep price for that mistake, both individually and as a society. And here's why, I believe, is without the inner authority that's gained from the journey itself, without the inner authority that's gained from the pursuit of self-mastery, we end up becoming shallow, you know, fragile, brittle people. And ultimately, we're not made of the metal needed to rise above our limitations. A true hero, think of the example I just mentioned with Odysseus, is one who moves beyond the limitations of now, moves beyond the limits of a purely self-centered life, and operates on a much larger plane of existence. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the classic hero image, this classic image that I described before mythologically, it's in us. In other words, it's not gone. It's deeply within our DNA. However, to some degree within our modern world, Yes, I absolutely agree that that image has gone dormant. 
but like all dormant things, it can be rekindled. It can be remembered and called forth again. And that is essentially the, the goal of my course. I'm trying to cultivate heroic leadership in places where it may lie dormant to help rediscover the awe, and I'm using that word very purposely, the awe of having majestic goals and majestic purposes. Mm, I like that, and I like, you know, I agree with you in a sense, too, that, um, you know, part of the mission of this podcast is I, I like to interview my leadership heroes, and I guess what's driving a lot of my passion for this and why I'm curious about your, your what, you're, what you're presenting here is I think we're bankrupt in a lot of ways. And someone asked me the other day, it was like, well, why are you doing this podcast? And I said, well, I just – and the word that came to mind was bankruptcy. And we're bankruptcy mm -hmm. of, of, of our – kind of our values, our culture. And I think there is a huge vacuum, like you said, about who we elevate and why we elevate them. It, 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 it lends towards that bankruptcy. You gave some good – a good example there, um, Odysseus. Are there any other examples, I mean, um, that, that you have in, in mind when you think of heroes? Sure. Yeah, and let me do it two ways, because I think it's important is, uh, and I used mythic example on purpose, because, uh, you know, I've always loved, there's a quote that's attributed to Joseph Campbell, who um, who, who wrote a great book about heroic um, uh, heroes throughout the ages. Um, it's called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. But um, heroes, in a mythic sense, um, are important to reflect on because they help us see greater patterns and, if you will, the larger coherence. They're, you know, mythic heroes aren't uh, are true. They're just not literal, if you think of it that way. But so, if you think of mythic uh, heroes, whether they be from Greek, Roman, Celtic, Native American, or other origins, people like Odysseus, King Arthur, Percival from the Grail Quest, Plains Indian warrior legends, Theseus, you know, all these different people. They're all from different cultures, different times, but what's interesting, they all follow the same hero path. They're, they're archetypal in that sense. So I, I've always liked to study mythic heroes, not, again, because I think that I can imitate them, but they, they help us see that greater pattern and that larger coherence of what a heroic life was always meant to be. So in modern times, if you ask me that question, who do I think in modern times represents heroic leaders. Names that come to mind for me um, would be people like Lincoln, Gandhi, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Martin Luther King, Mo Mother Teresa, Churchill, um, John Wooden and Vince Lombardi from sports, or the Jesuits as a group of people. I just read a great book about uh, the Jesuits, and, and, and really their whole, their whole mission is founded on, if you will, heroic living. Uh, so those are some examples. But what's interesting is that of all of those people I just mentioned, um, and I tried to do this, in other words, when I was forming my course, I said, so what's the core elements of their life and their, their life's paradigm as, as heroic leaders? And I kind of boiled it down to four things. So in other words, this is how I would define uh, heroic leadership, is number one, it's noble purpose, having a noble purpose in their life and in their leadership. Two, is having honorable aspiration, aspiring to something that is inherently honorable. Three, is right action. In other words, not just seeing, but acting correctly. And number four is dedication to something greater than self. Yeah, I love that. It makes a lot of sense. And, and when you um, give the context of those examples, you know, the Lombardi, the Lincoln, I mean, I, I guess you can you can – see how that that applies i you know looking at that i guess it kind of goes back to the same age-old question do you think and it's the same 
you know, I, I know the answer to the leadership question, you know, are leaders born or made? But what about heroes? I mean, because it, it's almost like you're taking it to another level. Do you think heroes can be made? Oh yes, Rich. Absolutely. They def- I mean, in my opinion, the heroes are definitely made. So let's go back. Consider some of the names I just mentioned um, of more modern era leaders, heroic leaders, right? Lincoln, Churchill, King, Gandhi, for example. What's interesting to me is if you reflect on their lives, the full arc of their lives, they're very complex, deeply complex people, right? Yeah. All combining great strengths and weaknesses, highs and lows, victories and defeats, right? And what's interesting, so in that sense, they were not born heroes, they were made heroes, and they were made heroes by the fidelity to that hero path. It was their courage to remain on the hero path that distinguished them. They mastered themselves first, and then mastered their destiny. Now, what these heroic examples teach us is this, and I think this is important, the hero can't go around life. He must go through it. The hero must go into the desert, metaphorically. Yeah. It's interesting, in many in many hero tales, he has to go into the desert or some kind of dark place, right? And he has to confront the demon, or she has to go into the dark forest and slay the dragon. Of course, the demon and dragon are meant to be metaphors for representing some sort of internal challenge that had to be overcome. But think of this. I was doing this the other day when I was, when I was contemplating our talk, is think of this these questions in that context. What if Lincoln never left Illinois and remained a mm-hmm. small-town country lawyer when he first encountered failure? Mm-hmm. You know, what if Gandhi remained in South Africa when he was a young man and pursued a comfortable life practicing law when he first saw signs of opposition? What if Churchill retired to the English countryside after his debacle at Gallipoli? You know, they all became who they ultimately were because they persevered, they moved through, you know, struggle and they move through challenge and test and trial. So therefore, in my mind, absolutely all heroes are made, and in a sense they're always twice born. They're born through the cauldron Hmm. and the crucible of experience. But doesn't it just kind of happen? I mean, I guess um, why does, I mean, why do heroes and heroic leadership matter for that case? I mean, because if you and I are sitting there, we're both passionate about leadership. I mean, I, I, did did Lincoln and Gandhi wake up saying, "I'm"? I mean, they didn't say these words that I'm going to be a heroic leader. They were just passionate about and committed for this kind of noble mm-hmm. purpose, like you said, right? This honorable aspiration right. and a commitment greater than themselves, right? I mean, if we all kind of do those things, are we? Is that why? I mean, why doesn't um, heroic leadership? Um, why does it seem dormant now? I guess. I mean, it, it does to me anyway. Why does it? Why does it matter? And why does heroic leadership even yeah. even matter? Yeah, and it, it, you're right. It's a great question because there's, there's a tendency sometimes to think, well, is it just obsolete? Is an is it, is the sense of classic heroism is an is it an antiquated right. concept? You know, and I think there are at least three kind of key parts to answering that question because it is vital. You know, first we've always needed heroes. Think of it. You know, this deep human need explains why. As far as my study is concerned, you know, since the dawn of, you know, human recorded history, regardless really of culture and origin, there have been hero tales and hero myths. There is something deeply embedded in our human psyche. I, I think I mentioned before, in our DNA as people, it needs heroic images. We need heroic aspiration and, and heroic models, right? So that's just there. And second, I think the second point is that hero images exist. This kind of gets at why. You know, because we need to aspire to something greater than ourselves 
that's deep in us, right? Something greater than our present private condition. We need heroes to remind us what I would think of as like the vitality of a truly integrated life. What I like to call, this is something that I really believe in, is living with your eye on the horizon while still feeling the past and the wind. Yeah. You know, you need to have some kind of a reminder that there's this larger sphere, you know, a broader plane of existence than our own little selfish private worlds, that we're somehow part of what you might call the grand parade, right, of time and generation, and we're linked, and we need to feel that history, right? And that's one of the things that heroes and heroic leadership help do. And then the third thing that I think is really important is that heroes reveal, for me, what I call the hero or the heroic leader's paradigm, a way of seeing and hearing, which for me includes four things. And I think we mentioned this the first time I talked. One is that we're always leading. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe that you can't separate leadership from you and, and how you live your life. So you're always leading because you're always exerting influence. Right. Number two is that all leadership starts, starts with self-leadership and self-mastery. Number three is that we must have a balance between reflection and action, right? And four is that heroic leadership is a way of life, not an act. So for me, that's the heart of heroic leadership, always leading, self-mastery, balancing contemplation and action, and then leadership is a way of life. That's why, Rich, I think leadership, heroic leadership, matters and it matters more than ever today. Yeah, I like that. And in the fact of being intentional about those four things, and, and I right. believe this wholeheartedly too, is that you cannot escape you know, no matter what your position, no matter where you're at in life, even if you're just a stay-at-home parent, even more so importantly, you are in a leadership position. You're always influencing every act, every opportunity right. that you have interacting with another individual or even just yourself trying to battle um, whatever, temptations, demons, or you know, improving yourself, laziness, whatever. You're always leading. You have to be. You cannot escape the leadership obligation that for, for life. What you do with it and how well you take it is is, is – um, it kind of leads into your next part, that self-mastery piece, you know, being intentional about that. Right. And I love what you said about there, that third one, uh, the balanced reflection. I think if, you know, I've heard, who was I talking with the other day? Someone was saying that, you know, it, it's to get to the leader, you just got to have experiences. And I'm like, well, you know what? We all experience, we have no choice in experiences. We experience life no matter what happens, you know, we're all going to experience right. life until we check out. But what, what what we do have a choice on is the insight, and that's what I love about your balanced reflection piece. The the the, the intention of insight is, I think, where people start transforming as leaders. You know, because then the marination of that experience is what leads right. to that balance, that insight, and then understanding that is it is a day to day activity. It's not it's Absolutely. not something it's not something that you do in a day. You don't attend a seminar or listen to. Correct. One of my podcasts, or go read a book, and then you become a leader. It's just it's a way of life. So no, I love that. I love how all four of those kind of leading, you know, being intentional about those four things kind of lends itself to being a heroic leader, right? Is that what you're getting at? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's a, I, I've, I've created an image in my course as we're still kind of on this topic um, of what well, I call it the archer stance, and what I do is I've created an image of a you know, think of it as an archer, you know, pulling back the, you know, the arrow on his bow towards a, a target. And I, I, I like that because it creates that sense of balance between contemplation and action, meaning that if we think of it in terms of uh, our own experience with, with expert marksmanship is that, that the, the, 
the significance or the ability to consistently put um, the object in the black on the target is really more a function of how well centered and balanced the shooter is, right? We know that, right. you know. And so I, I like that image because what it what it it reminds me of is that if you think of the arrow as the leadership that you will dispense, you know, or that your influence that you dispense all the time, and in other words, it's going away from you towards somebody else, a group of people, or to to exert influence, and the target is 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 meant to be effectiveness. Is really the the important component of that is you is how balanced are you, and and just like you're saying, you have to be purposeful about knowing yourself, um, self-regulation, self-control, mm-hmm. um, balance, and all of those things, because you're the shooter, right? I mean, you have to control yourself. The arrow is only going to fly straight uh, straight and level as if you are yourself straight and level. I like that. Well, I certainly agree with you that we've we've kind of lost a classic understanding of heroic leadership. I mean, I, th- I think it, it's at the surface, and it, it's innate in all of us. I believe, and I mean, I, this, I guess this is why you're creating this kind of this program, is um, we can get it back, right? I mean, and that's part of maybe you tapping into the millennial generation. Is that why you're kind of picking the millennials in, in that sense? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 this is so fundamental because, I mean, I'm, I'm actually very enthusiastic about this because otherwise, like I said, I wouldn't be doing this. Because um, the answer is yes. I think we both agree with this, and we've, we've mentioned this, is that we've somewhat, broadly speaking, our society has lost touch with this classic definition of yeah. of what we call a hero and a heroic life. But again, I don't think it's lost. I think it's simply dormant. Yeah. And so it, it, it's, it's really, it's a case of reawakening, if you will, this heroic paradigm. But here's the key thing, but then recasting it in our modern world. So therefore, I'm deeply lost optimistic, I'm passionate, really, that today's generation is not only capable of heroic leadership, I actually, my own experience is, they're hungry for it. But here's, there's some things at play, though, that I think we all have to be, we as leaders, particularly those of us that want to be in a a mentorship role, have to be aware of. Some of it is is what I would just call simply structural. In other words, some of the breakdown is simply structural. Think of it this way, we don't tell stories quite the way we used to. We don't really gather and commune quite the way we used to in the past. It's not bad per se, it's just different. Uh, in the past, for example, think of it like hero tales were told as epic stories, and they were usually part of an oral tradition. Of course, I'm going fairly far back here in history, but those types of stories and that kind of storytelling, that took time, it took patience, it took an appreciation for what you might call the quest for wisdom. And that quest was more valuable in many cases than the answer. You know, today we have technology that gives us instant information. It's right at our fingertips. You know, we want to get right to the answer without the quest for the answer, right? But here's the important part. Here's why, in my opinion, we need to rediscover, reawaken the value of heroic heroic leadership today, particularly in our modern world, is that we need heroic leaders. We need that heroic example to lift to lift us above what I call the tyranny of now, from living solely in a present tense world, a society that can't feel like it's past in the wind and can't produce wise elders to guide youth from um, from you know early stages into adulthood won't flourish. We know that. So the most vital measure of a healthy group are answers to these two questions: to what do you aspire? And what are your actions, aspirations, and actions? So 
So therefore, we go back to that point again. Heroes in heroic images, they serve to guide us to our highest aspirations and remind us of right action. That kind of deep wisdom can't be found in a tweet. Um, And that's what we need to be as examples to, for example, the millennial generation. It's in them. It's deeply in them. And again, I think they hunger for it. We just need to model it for them and then let them recast it in terms of their current uh, their current condition in their modern world. Yeah, I like that idea of the wise elders, kind of like the Jedi Council almost, right? Like mm-hmm. Paul Callan's the Yoda, yes, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'm a little taller, a little, <laughs> little taller. Maybe I have the same amount of hair on the top of my head, but hopefully I'm a little taller. <laughs> no, I like that idea. I like the, the idea and the concept. And I, agree, I agree with you, too. I think I, the, the folks that of that generation that I've spoken to, they are hungry for it. I, I, I see it. Right. And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's always been that way, but I, I, it just seems to me that they are hungry for it. Hungrier than I think that my kind of Gen X, Generation X was, yep. I think. I, I don't know. It seems different yeah. to me. It seems like all the – and I've had a couple conversations with the – a couple CEOs on this show and talking about millennials, and um, they said the same thing. They said that you know they they are very optimistic about the future when they look at that entrepreneurial sect of that millennial generation, and um, there is a thirst and a quest for uh, kind of what you said in there in those four elements that uh, kind of a noble purpose and the honorable aspiration element. You see that a lot in that millennials, I think, and that's my observation. I'm curious to see what, what do you think about that. Yeah. No, I do. I, I, I think that there's, again, like like every generation, um, you know, there's certain urban uh, mythology, you know, that comes up and, you know, uh, and maybe this is something we'll get into in the, the next part of our series yeah, sure, where we yeah. can talk maybe yeah. more specifically. But, yeah, I think that there's, again, I, I can't tell you how, um, again, I am, even though I'm pointing out what I believe, you know, fairly, um, fairly candidly and um, somewhat soberingly what I think are some of the challenges that, again, our modern world presents to the millennials. I am absolutely enthusiastic and apt- absolutely optimistic that um, the millennials are the next great generation and they have it within themselves to rise to this, you know, uh, again, this heroic um, form of leadership that we've been talking so absolutely, I think it's it's there and it's and it's and it's, and it's very relevant and very um, very appealing to them. Yeah, I agree. As we as we wrap up here, how do we give me some nuggets to walk away with? Like, what would we do to go about creating or at least starting to go down that path of creating a culture of heroic leaderships in our life and our organizations? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Um, you know, one is, and maybe where I would start is we mentioned the the element about wise elders, and, and just let's just touch on that just for a second. Um, if you study again any healthy, thriving culture or society and group from history, at the center of that group was always this cadre of elders that functioned as vital members. We're trying to think of it as trusted guides for the emerging generation, right? Those societies understood that you know youthful passion, passion and energy had to be channeled, it had to be focused and controlled, that the youth needed these kind of trusted guides to help them move from adolescence to adulthood. So think of it, let's use a mountain climbing metaphor. In these kind of societies, elders were like Sherpas, right? They had climbed before, so they guided the conditioning at what we might call base camp, which would be early youth. They taught increased knowledge at advanced base camp, which would be adolescence, and then they were the pathfinders along 
the final climb to the summit, so to speak, which would be adulthood. So what we have to ask ourselves, are we still producing wise elders to fill this sharper role in our groups and in our societies? Do we still value the role of elders in our groups and empower them? I think the answer is, again, somewhat no, and, and this is something I think we need to, to rekindle. And this is the role, again, I think that the heroic leader, that model, this can become this wise elder, can become this the Sherper, which would, again, when you think of it, you just mentioned our generation, whether it's X or the Boomer generation, this would be the perfect role for the Boomers, to serve as the Sherpas, to guide the ascent of the Millennials. But, you know, beyond that, you know, to kind of get right to your, directly to the point that any of the listeners may be, may be asking is, okay, I, I understand what you guys are talking about, so how can I, you know, affect a heroic culture you know, within my organization. It sounds too simple for me to answer it this way, but I'm going to just go ahead and throw it out there. Be heroic. You know, set the example. You know, get on the path and stay on it, because I think you have to start by acknowledging this brutal fact. Leadership, especially heroic leadership, will always defy instant gratification. There's no menu. There's no quick fix. You know, there's no killer app to download. There's no shortcut. Right? Plus, we know this, even though I've mentioned examples of these other heroic leaders, and it's good for us to reflect on them, we can't copy them. You know, the world doesn't need another Lincoln or another Gandhi or Churchill or Wooden. What we need is the best me and you. We need more people on the heroic path. Mm-hmm. You know, but, and then I'll, the last thing I'd mention, and, and I think this is really, really critical, is we learn, we, all, we need to learn to speak and teach what I I'm starting to call a heroic vocabulary, mm. which has always been a kind of a lexicon of any group that was firmly part of a kind of a healthy and healthy and thriving culture. Uh, in thinking of this, for example, I sat down the other day and I said, "Okay, what you know? What's a, what's the elements of a heroic vocabulary?" I wrote down words that, for us, for me and you, or, or others that that shared in, let's say, a Marine Corps experience, were not just part of our lexicon, but words that meant something deeply to us in terms of expectation. Right. So, listen to these words real quick that I wrote down. I just penciled them down as examples of what I would call heroic vocabulary, and ask and ask how often in what settings you hear them spoken. So here they are: reverence, obedience, submission, obligation. Absolute, awe, fidelity, sacrifice, tradition, confident, bravery, perseverance. These are all very healthy and vital words I, you know, when I wrote those down. But they, think of it, they're usually only spoken in groups aspiring to heroic purposes and heroic oh, right. lives. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I would end, you know, I would end by, those are some thoughts that I had, you know, if I was who's going to share my insights with somebody who asked that question. But I think it's important to end, again, by saying something bold, because this is what I really want to leave people with, because I believe in this passionately, and I mentioned this earlier, is today's generation, this millennial generation, right, this ascendant generation, they are the next great generation. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. The only question are these, right? What fateful events are going to arise to call forth from them their best? We can't know that, and we can't control it, but we know it's going to happen, right? And number two is, are we providing the type of heroic leadership that will guide them to be ready? So we have a, we have a stark choice, right? We either invest in or divest from their readiness. But I find this situation, again, completely invigorating and exciting. I'm totally for this. You know, what better pursuit than to help guide them to this ascent? 
You know, I love it. I mean, I'm with you too. I mean, it's exciting. And you know, looking at those questions, looking at that list, you're right. I mean, th- th- those are great. Um, I love that. The language, it, it is all about aspiration when you look at those words. And I think those are great questions. Right. What fateful events await and what do we do to prepare them for those? Right. No one really looks at it in that context. I think those are great questions to, to, to end on for sure. Yeah, right. I love this, Paul. I, I mean, this is uh, – it gets me going. It gets me jazzed. You know, it gets me thinking too that it's almost kind of like why – I mean, at the core of it, this is why we were so passionate about the Marine Corps, right? I mean, sure. in the Absolutely. early stages – they set that stage about the culture, the history. They were painting that heroic leadership legacy that we aspired to. Correct. And the reason, yes, the well, I was going to say, the reason why the Marine Corps was so successful, you know, does tie back to your four elements of, you know, the noble purpose and commitment to something greater than the self, the, the aspiration, the right action. And what you're asking here is, and again, I'm not trying to equate that. You're trying to turn the millennials into the Marine Corps. I'm not saying that at all, but the element of capturing um the heroic side of it uh, of getting back to those four elements of heroic leadership and educating them uh, i think it's great i mean it, it it gets me excited just hearing you talk about it yeah no you know you just hit on it too rich that point is that i'm using the marine corps as an example and there are other you know there are other if you will um vocations uh firefighters nurses yeah, right. you know yeah. i mean that that, that, that kind of have that uh heroic purpose and ambition but what I, what it tells me is this is that our our souls i'm going to use that term very our souls are called are, are drawn to meaning to deep meaning to high purpose and, and stuff and and it's what i always find interesting is is in organizations that reawaken the awe uh, of what, let's call it a majestic purpose that's where you get that transcendent right. effect where you can take people like us drawn from all different strata and uh, elements of society and through this admixture of of this heroic aspiration and this heroic purpose you galvanize them into the pursuit of something again that is greater than themselves right. you know the sacrifice and the willing the willing submission to something that's greater than ourselves and in that sense it's you know a lot of times if you if you threw that word just take two words obedience and submission and if you threw them out there into what you might call the broad sphere of, of our society, most people kind of cringe at those words because they think of them almost negatively. Right. But when, when we see them in their healthy existence, they are actually um, beautiful words. In other words, they, they are what releases us to be our best, yeah. right? Is being obedient to something that's true and being submitting to something that's greater than ourselves. And yeah. that's what re- actually releases greatness. You're right, and it gets to the heart of all successful leadership that it's not about the individual; it's about everybody else. It's about you know adding value to others around you, not adding value to yourself. I mean, you get the value to yourself by doing that, right? It's by by being part of it. By being part of it. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right. Great stuff, man. I think what I'd love to do is, is like I said, you know, have on our the second part. Let's dive into that millennial generational piece. I mean, it's something I'm I'm fascinated about. You know, it's something that I kind of stumbled upon. Uh, and these podcasts and kind of in getting in touch uh, with some people in my network that are in the millennials that are entrepreneurs and what they're so and they're crushing it and they're doing great things. But you know what the difference I see is is tied into your heroic leadership where they they are kind of maybe consciously or but in a lot of ways subconsciously I don't even think they realize it that they are um, and the reason why they're so successful is because they are 
kind of diving into those four elements of heroic leadership of, of the noble purpose, the greater than self type type idea. So I'd love to kind of talk about the millennial generation and, and what do we do? How do we work with them? Just a little more definition about it. So I think that'd be a great second podcast. Yeah, I agree, Rich. I think it's a, it'll be a great, uh, uh, you know, a great uh, capstone to today's conversation and, and it's so relevant and it's so relevant and it's so, it's so ultimately optimistic. And I yeah, think that's great. Sure. Uh, it's great to, to reinforce that. Well, I have links to all of this stuff on on the post, but to go ahead and uh, give a plug to where people can find you. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Rich. Yeah. Again, uh, the the website is www.thecalincourse.com, or you can just put calincourse.com. Um, you know, if you just Google calincourse, C-A-L-L-A-N, um, they'll it'll pull it up on uh, on the search there. And then all of the information about uh, again about the course and uh, again what what we're about and uh, where we're where we're trying to make an impact is all you know all found on our website. All right, my friend. Again, thanks uh, for the engaging conversation and thanks for uh, taking the time to come on the show again. Yeah, thanks, Rich, also for having me, and uh, thanks for doing what you're doing too, because uh, you know, shining light and um, bringing uh, bringing to bear uh, these types of insights and this kind of dialogue is, uh, as we know, is so so important and uh, so helpful. I think for for all of us that are involved in uh, leadership and uh, the pursuit of leadership excellence. So thanks for what you're doing, and thanks for having me. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Rich. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.